theextraordinarychurch.ca podcast, where ordinary people experience extraordinary life in Jesus Christ. You are about to hear a message that will encourage you to become and experience all that Jesus Christ has for you. Are you ready? Open up your Bibles because something extraordinary is about to happen. But because of who he is. Does anybody worship him because he's holy? Does anybody worship him because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever? Does anybody worship him because he's the King of Kings and Lord of Lords? Does anybody worship him because he's the Bishop of your souls? He's the Redeemer of all mankind? Does anybody worship him because of who he is? Hallelujah! We give you glory, Jesus! Praise God! It's true. Praise God. I worship you because you're righteous. Righteous is who you are. Praise God. Praise God. You know, it's true. I'm going to be all in this thing today, but you can't know who you are until you know who he is. And once you understand who he is, I do believe today that somebody is going to be more than encouraged. I believe somebody is going to be elevated to their role of sonship today. I'm going to declare that in the house. I feel that. That just came from the Holy Ghost. That wasn't me. That's not in my notes. But I feel it. I believe somebody's going to get an understanding of who they are in Jesus Christ. Open up your Bibles to the book of Judges chapter 1 verse 4. Open up those Bible apps. Click to them if you will on your iPad or whatever you might be using, iPhone, it's either one of the two, praise God, iPhone or or iPad, one or the other, praise God. Pastor Barry laughing, but he got one, praise God. Praise God, shall men give into his pockets, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. First, no, I said first Judges. Judges 1, chapter 4. Let's go ahead. We do this every Sunday. By faith, we declare the word of the Lord. If you, if you know it, you know what we're doing. If not, you can uh, just say this after me, but lift that Bible, that Bible app in the air, if you will. This is my Bible. It is the word of God. I can do what it says I can do. I can be what it says I can be. And I can have what it says I can have. Praise God. Give him praise for that. Praise God. Okay, let's look at it. Judges chapter 1, verse 4 through 7. Then Judah went up, and the Lord delivered the Canaanites and the Perizzites into their hand, and they killed 10,000 men at Bezek. And they found Adonai, Bezek, and Bezek, and fought against him. And they defeated the Canaanites and the Perizzites. Then Adonai, Bezek, fled. And they pursued him and caught him and cut off his thumbs and big toes. And Adonai, Bezek, said, Seventy kings with their thumbs and big toes cut off, used to gather scraps under my table. As I have done so God has repaid me. Then they brought him to Jerusalem and there he died. And by the help of the Holy Ghost, I want to preach this thought to you this afternoon. You'll help me pray in a moment. Living beneath the table. 
living beneath the table. Father, we love you. I'm committed. I'm dependent upon you, God. If you don't do it, it won't get done. I pray for an anointing to preach and to teach your word with relevancy and with accuracy. I pray for, uh, I just release the gifts of the spirit and the gift of faith in this house today, God. Do what you want to do. I declare freedom in this place. Come on, I need you. If you have the Holy Ghost and you're, I need you just to lift your hands and begin to pray, if you will. Just begin to tap into what God wants to do. I feel like the atmosphere needs to shift. We'll linger here for just a moment, if you don't mind. But I want to declare that the Spirit of God is going to have his way. Father, if there's anything that is not like you, it has no authority here. I declare right now, angels, I dispatch them at the doorways of this place. I'm commanding every foul spirit, every unsubmitted spirit to your Lordship to flee in the name of Jesus. You have given your angels charge over us. We understand who we are. We're in alignment with your kingdom. We might not be perfect, but we are redeemed. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Lord, we're redeemed by the blood that you shed. Your blood is covering this place. It's covering everybody under the sound of my voice voice and I declare that freedom will come from this pulpit God I declare that anointing will come and break the yoke in the name of Jesus I declare that somebody's going to get up out of their seat and an understanding of who they are in you and they will never be the same generations will be changed forever if you tarry and you'll get the glory in Jesus name amen come on if you believe that clap your hands unto the Lord if you're ready for the word of the Lord, open up your mouth and say, I'm ready. Praise God. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Living beneath the table. To me, it seems obvious. Earlier this year, I preached a series on the kingdom. And it was as if for me, if God had placed a magnifying glass, if you will, on the messages uh, that I preached on the kingdom in this house. As a matter of fact, the residue of not only the messages, but the spirit of the Lord that was manifested during that series is still lingering, and I feel like it's upon me. You'll feel it in this message today, but I'm thankful for the kingdom of God. This is not about me, and it's not about you. It's about his kingdom. Religion and people uh, are going through routine, mundane church motions, and that is not getting it done. I told a group of leaders earlier this week that I want Extraordinary Church to be known as the church of fire. Fire and the baptism of his spirit. Every time we come together, I want this place to be an all-consuming fire. I have no problem with them thinking, yeah, if you go to Extraordinary Church, I know you're radical. I know you're passionate. You probably lost your mind, but that means you found it because you have once were lost, but now you have been found and you've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb every time we come together. I want it to be passionate praise. I want it to be unscripted praise. I want it to be loud and I want it to be full of faith. I want people bouncing off the walls and biting chunks out of the ceiling because we have been delivered and we give God praise. You know, it's interesting. Jaden, I thought to myself, uh, Y'all know I'm from the, the States, and so this past weekend was a big weekend if you watch college football, and I know college athletics isn't a big deal up here, but I was looking, and then I, I looked at the fans, and when I looked at the fans, I mean, there were some ladies who were dressed up like robots, 
They, I mean, there were some other people sitting on the front row. They had all kinds of stuff on their face. I was like, what? I said, and you know what they were doing? They would highlight those fans. They, there was nothing that was off limits. As a matter of fact, the world was celebrating that enthusiastic response And nobody thought anything of it. They thought they're a passionate fan. But the moment you decide to get a little crazy, the moment you decide to get a little crazy for Jesus, they want to tell you to calm down. They want to tell you to tone it down. The devil is a liar. That's not going to happen at Extraordinary Church because we're going to give an extraordinary God and extraordinary praise. I can't sit down on my God. He's been too good. He's kept me too long. He is the reason I'm here and I got to give him glory. Come on and give him praise in this place. Come on and give him worship. I feel that I'm going to just park here for a moment. Isn't it interesting, Jordan? We could go down the street in downtown Toronto and sit down, and we could see people worshiping crystals. And people will be taking pictures, and they think nothing's wrong with it. As a matter of fact, they call them spiritual. But the moment you decide to take God at his word and lay hands on the, lay hands on the sick and watch them recover, they want to call you radical. Well, you better believe you're looking at a group of radical believers who are not trying to play it safe, who are not interested in dried up, boring religion, but are ready to give God praise. And just like that camera was magnifying those fans, I believe heaven magnifies. I believe we get the attention of heaven when we begin to give him praise because the Bible says he inhabits the praises of Israel. So go ahead and give him glory and watch the anointing Watch the presence of God. Watch the healing and the delivering power of Jesus show up in this house. Praise God. Whew, thank you, Jesus. You want to know why I wear my tennis shoes? This is why I wear my tennis shoes. Because I'm ready to run all around this place and give him, my God, I need somebody to help me preach this afternoon. I didn't come to entertain you, but I came to pursue Jesus Christ and get everything that he has for me in this house. I'm, I believe God wants his people to be a kingdom advancing agency in the earth in this nation and in this city in which he has planted us. How many of you would agree with me? The church is not an organization. It's not just an institution. The church is the ecclesia. Remember we talked about that? The called out, now remember this, the called out legislative body of heaven. In other words, we establish things as we are an ambassador of Jesus Christ. And on this earth, we don't just preach the gospel we preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and his kingdom. You notice this is important because Jesus, everywhere he preached, he preached the kingdom. John the Baptist, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. When he resurrected himself from the dead, the first thing he preached was the kingdom. <laughs> Why? Because the kingdom of God is eternal. 
it's the perfect plan being made manifest in the earth and I don't know about you but I don't want to waste my time or my energy or resources preaching a kingdom that is not the kingdom of God I don't even want to focus all of our attention. I'm going to mess some of you all up. That, this is exactly why the big give was not about focusing all of our attention on us. Because there is something bigger going on in the earth than local churches. And if churches don't buy into the message of the kingdom, his kingdom will not be advanced as it could. I'm not here to compete with the church across town. I'm here to complete. I'm here to complete the church across town. We are the body of Christ, and I'm here to join arms with my brothers and sisters and say the kingdom of God is here. Praise God. If we would spend more of our time and energy promoting a kingdom and the kingdom of God, whew, rather than reminding the earth that there is a king. I mean, the truth of the matter is we need to tell everybody that not only is there a king, but he's coming back. And for those who are faithful, you might not know this, you might not have read this in your scripture, but you're going to rule and reign with him for a thousand years. <laughs> so what am I telling you? There is a king assignment in your life. Oh my God, don't miss this. <laughs> there is an assignment to operate Jordan in authority as a king and priest of God. And now because of this kingdom message that has permeated this house, I believe minds are beginning to shift and we're beginning to get into alignment. People are beginning to think more strategically. And I'm grateful. You know, we used to live in a day where the church was just trying to limp along, if you will, and just trying to be rapture ready. But some, we were so rapture ready that we were no earthly good. And I want to be ready to go. You better be ready to go. Praise God. But I feel like the church had more of a mentality of we were just like this. Anytime. And, and that's fine. Don't get me wrong. I want us to be ready. But I ain't running around doing rapture drills. As opposed to trying to do my rapture drills. You know what I'm trying to do? Take authority for the kingdom of God in this city, in this community. And run the devil up out of here. Because he can't have Mississauga. He can't have Barry. He can't have Brampton. He can't have Toronto. He can't have Etobicoke. He can't have Scarborough. He can't have Milton. He can't have Burlington. He can't have Hamilton. I've come to declare the kingdom of God is here. Yeah, we're going to heaven, but on my way, I plan on breaking some strongholds. I plan on getting the devil underneath my feet and being his worst nightmare. Whew. And see, hopefully, as we preach the kingdom and teach the kingdom here at Extraordinary Church, the kingdom of God is beginning to become manifest in your lives. And my hope and prayer is you'll understand who you are in Jesus Christ see when you start talking about the kingdom you shift from being a church member to becoming a kingdom ambassador Amen. see a church member can I know we don't have pews over here in this setting but a church member can warm up a pew and feel like they did their job but a kingdom ambassador understands that their real assignment begins on Monday when they wake up <sighs> 
The church is not here to just serve the needs and to meet your spiritual needs. The church is here as the ecclesia of God to give marching orders to the people of God so that we have purpose to run with. And I don't know about you, but if you understand the purpose of the kingdom, then you'll walk in the power of God. Is anybody thankful for the power of God this afternoon? Value is recognized in his presence. Strength is found in his name. And what was not and not had been has now become something great by the hand of God. He's called many of us out of darkness and brought us into his marvelous light. He's delivered us from heaviness and given us a joy unspeakable. We have witnessed that. And I'm declaring it as God's words goes forth today. You're going to embrace a promise. And God's going to begin to do a change in your life. And you're going to come up from underneath the things that are trying to weigh you down and you're going to walk in authority. Whew. Exercise your faith. You have to exercise your faith. You have to exercise your faith. I'm getting away from this thing here, but just you got to understand there's two ways to operate in the spirit. And if anybody, I'm not trying to frustrate you. I'm not trying to disappoint you. But if anybody is bored living for Jesus Christ, let me just help you out and tell you you're not living for him. I'm not here to beat you up. I'm not here to, to tell you, but I'm just telling you right now, it is just look outside. Have you looked at the creative ability and power of God? How in the world can it be boring living for him if you're living for him? How can you find yourself dissuaded? Can I just tell you, it's the old school, old school saints, they used to say like this, it's not hard to live for God when you live for God hard. What am I trying to tell you is God is trying to do something in your life to get you up out of this meandering, this roaming, this Christian experience that's more about obligation than about transformation. God wants to turn your world upside down. It is more than just a checklist of going to church on Sunday and Wednesday and being in an e-group and all those things are wonderful, but it's about renovating and transforming your life so that you are walking in the likeness of Jesus Christ. So let me tell you something about uh, authority and what the Romans would do uh, in particular. And what's interesting is, you know, Jesus, when he used the word ecclesia, I told you all about this. That word uh, was uh, a word that was 600 years old but by the time he used it. And so when he, he was talking about the Romans and what they would do is when they would come in and conquest, they would come in and take over. And then they would set up town criers, if you will. Um, and Luke talks about this in Luke chapter 9 when Jesus sent them out two by two, the preachers. They would literally send out apostles. Rome would send out apostles and they would declare and decree, uh, hey, the kingdom is here. The kingdom of Rome is here. Come and hear what Rome has to say because they have conquered the old way of life. And for those who had heard the call, those who had heard the call would come. Those were the ecclesia. They would come and hear what Rome had to say about a thing. Now, this, that's what Jesus was saying. He was like, hey, I've called you. I have conquered everything in every realm, in the spirit, on the earth, and beneath the earth. And he's like, hey, send them. I sent them out to declare the kingdom of God is here. But let me tell you something else that Rome would do. When the mighty Roman army conquered a particularly worthy foe, the army would sever their thumbs. It was a sign of humiliation. It was an emblem of defeat. Forever that person would be marked 
as a loser. More importantly, the severing of the thumb served a greater purpose. The defeated warrior would never have the ability to wield a sword effectively. Never again could that defeated foe rise up to fight. Thus, although he might be bitter in his heart, he was powerless to change his circumstances. From that point forward, that man could not effectively rise up against Rome. A cruel but a very effective way to neutralize a potential army. See, but in God's word, we read of another king who was more inhumane than this. Seventy kings. We read there were 70 kings beneath a table. Each one possessed a kingdom. Each one had a crown atop his head, a scepter in his hand. Each one ruled over a portion of the promised land. Each was respected, feared, and revered. But now we read of 70 kings beneath a table. Now each has been stripped of his kingly robes and his kingly dignity. Each no longer being praised. Each no longer hearing the words, long live the king. Each is now laughed at and jeered. The once spectacular is a now shabby spectacle. 70 kings beneath a table. Each had something else in common. Each king was missing their thumbs and their big toes. Each could no longer grasp a scepter, a mace, which is like a big mallet, if you will, or a sword. Where once the king marched uh, majestically, now he stumbles and falls. 70 kings beneath a table each crawling around on their hands and knees, each groveling at the feet of the cruel king who defeated him, each kicked by the dinner guest, each scrambling for a crumb that occasionally fell from the master's table. Like dogs, these kings are now seeking crumbs. Oh, I know we find beggars all throughout the Bible, some who displayed great faith, the four beggars outside of the walls of Samaria, the beggars outside of the gate, or the beggar, excuse me, outside of the gate called Beautiful, Barth, uh, Bar Bartimaeus, blind Bartimaeus, outside of the city of Jericho. But each of these beggars had a cause for their behavior. They had an impediment. They had a disease, they had leprosy, they, they had lameness, they had blindness, and Jesus showed mercy on them all. But these 70 were kings, kings who knew the difference between living above the table and beneath. Kings who once enjoyed their meals, but now their meals are endured. Once they ruled, now they grovel. Their worlds were upside down. They had once been above the table. Now they're below. As Solomon said, and I quote him, I saw princes walking and servants riding on horses. These were kings foraging for food. Kings who were now reduced to canines. All because of one cruel master. See, I find little comfort in that Adonai Bezik suffered the same fate. What he did to the others was done to himself. He too lost his thumbs and his big toes. Reminds me that Jesus did say that the measure you will be used against you. Sow kindness, you'll reap kindness. Sow cruelty, you'll reap the same. 
but the stark reality remains this one king brought down 70 more 70 kings I almost got a table up here and decorated it nicely but I thought I don't have time but 70 kings beneath his table and when I look at the people of Extraordinary Church and I look at my EC friends, I see hurt in your eyes, misery. Some of you are dejected. And I hear in some of your voices the sound of regret, weariness, and discouragement. I think here is a king who has fallen beneath the table. My role today, my assignment today is to get you back up to the table where you belong. You are not somebody's footstool. You are not trash. You are not a mistake. You are a wonderful treasure made in the image of God. You belong to a royal family. You happen by purpose, on purpose. You need to know that the hand of God is on your life and that you are a king's kid. You need to know that you belong to him. You were made in his image. And now that you're his, he has given you dominion over his creation, over the beast of the field, Above the dogs that lick the crumbs from beneath the table. As a matter of fact, he told them in the beginning, I've given you dominion over every realm in the air, on the land, and in the sea. When God made you, he did not make any junk. He made a wonderful creature to reveal himself. You are unique and you are his. Quit living beneath your means. Get up from underneath that table and have a seat because you are royalty. Oh my God, if you believe that, give him praise. Whew, I'm trying to help somebody right now. Just lay your head on your lay your hands on your head. I want to pray for your father in the name of Jesus. I'm declaring there'll be a shift in the mindset of how people view themselves. Not a confidence because confidence isn't helping anybody, God. But I'm talking about a Godfidence, a Godfidence in understanding of what you've done. I'm declaring right now degrees and the amount of money we have in the bank or the lack thereof doesn't determine our value. But the fact that you robed yourself in flesh bled for us died and rose again and you have positioned us in righteousness help them to understand that they're seated in heavenly places we'll give you the glory and praise in Jesus name come on you need to understand who you are today just even naturally speaking let me just engage you for a moment he created you with a unique cooling system See, your body warms and cools itself. It generates 2,500 calories of heat every single day. And you know how much? That's enough heat to boil 25 pots of coffee. Some of y'all are excited. Some of y'all are looking like, yeah, I need some coffee, praise God. Within your brain, there is a thermostat with its own nervous system that can contract and enlarge the blood vessels of the body to give off more heat or less heat. He made you that way, a king's kid. He created you with a unique electrical system. Your brain contains millions of nerve cells. Your eyes are connected by 300,000 separate and private telephone lines. He made you that way, a king's kid. He created you with a unique mechanical system. Over 200 bones with enclosed self-lubricating joints. He made you that way, a king's kid. He created you with a unique audio system. 
See, the piano has only 88 keys, but the human ear has cap is capable of hearing over 1,500 keys. In a completely soundproof room, the human ear is so sensitive that you can actually hear blood flowing through your blood vessels. And speaking of those blood vessels, the average heart pumps blood through a system of thousands of miles of blood vessels and rests for only a sixteenth of a second. He made you that way. A king's kid. Oh, he created you with a unique feedback system. We can distinguish hundreds of colors and as many as 10,000 unique smells. We can feel a feather as it brushes our skin and hear the faint rustle of a leaf. It all seems so effortless to open our eyes and let God's world stream in. Yet anything we see, hear, feel, smell, or taste requires billions of nerve cells to flash urgent messages along linked pathways and feedback loop in our brains performing intricate calculations that scientists have only begun to decipher he made you that way a king's kid he created you the individual you the same God who fashioned the individual snowflakes put unique fingerprints, voice prints, blood vessel patterns in you. The more they map the human genome, the more wonderful it becomes. I quote Dr. Victor McCusick, doctor, uh, director of the medicine at Johns Hopkins. He said it this way, of the four building blocks of a gene called nucleotides, they were considered a letter and each gene a word. The gene in a single human cell would fill 13 sets of the Encyclopedia Britannica. Whew. Okay, so in other words, if you took the average number of cells in a human body and multiplied it by 13 sets of the Encyclopedia, you could cover about the size of the city of Toronto, three quarters of a mile deep with encyclopedias. And that is just the sequencing for the average cell in one human body. He made you that way, a king's kid. He created you to think and to know and to perceive and to understand. You are not junk, but you are wonderfully made. Oh my God, I wish I could get somebody to understand. Stop looking in the mirror and saying you're ugly. Stop looking in the mirror and saying and declaring trash. The devil is a liar. Don't allow the world's standards of beauty to try to measure up to what God said is beautiful. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are his and you are royalty. He laid down his life for you. He did not lay down his life for a piece of junk. The devil wants you to think you have no value, but if you understand who you are and what you're worth you'll know that you'll not only turn his world upside down but you'll turn this world upside down because we have the answer somebody give him praise you don't have to walk around with your head down. You don't have to walk around with your shoulders slumped. I stopped doing that foolishness a long time ago because if he died for me and called me up out of that grave, I'm going to live this life with purpose for his glory. And I know that there's a power on the inside of me that will... I'm trying to contain myself today. I'm trying to behave, but I'm trying to get somebody to understand who you are in Jesus Christ. He said in Isaiah 40, 28, 
and I'm only halfway through, so I got to peace speed up. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak and to those who have no might. <laughs> I'm, trying to I'm not trying to preach you happy. I'm trying to get you to understand if you're weak, <laughs> we serve a God who will give you strength. Let the weak say, I am strong. Let the poor say, I am rich. God did not make you someone who is expendable. He did not fashion you to be on the trash heap of life. He made you to love and to be loved, to try and try again. He gives power to the weak. The Almighty comes to those with no might. He wants to bring you out from up underneath the table. He enables you to triumph over life's adversities. You are more than a conqueror through him. A king made you, and you bear the marks of a king. That's why you can walk out in the morning and see a sunrise and say, man, that's beautiful. The clue is found in the book of the be in the beginning. The creator made the sun the moon and the stars and said it is good you can say beautiful because the one who made you made you beautiful you were fashioned by a king to be a king there is a king in you there is a king in you I don't have time to unpack all this. This is like a separate message, but I'm going to show you one passage. Revelation 5. Revelation 5, 9 through 10. And they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. And have made us <laughs> kings and priests to our God. And we shall reign on the earth <laughs> I might not understand all of this but in some way you and I were made to rule and reign you are a royal priesthood a chosen generation you have been given power to tread upon scorpions you've been given authority over the forces of this world and you can call on the name of the Lord his name is Jesus and he is there straighten up your shoulders and lift up your heads sing it oh yes i am a child of the king his royal blood is flowing through my veins and i who was wretched now the poor can sing praise god praise god i'm a child of the king yet like those 70 kings we live oppressed let me tell you why. See, we permit the enemy to oppress us. Adonai Bezek oppressed those 70 kings. He removed their thumbs. He disarmed them. He removed their big toes. Again, he defeated them. He took away their, hear me now, he took away their ability to fight and their ability to march. If, if we could interview those kings, I wonder what they would say. One of them said, oh, I, I thought if I gave him what he wanted, he might leave me alone. 
I bet you another said, well, if I, if I cooperate with him a little bit and maybe work shoulder to shoulder with him, I'll befriend him and then he won't hurt me. But that too was a deception. Perhaps another one tried to fight and maybe gave it his best, but his best was not good enough. And waving the flight, uh, the white flag of surrender, he hoped for the best. Regardless of the individual stories, the results are the same. They were oppressed living beneath the king's table. See, God wanted to bring Adonai Bezik down, not just because he punished others, but because he stood in the way of God's people and the promised land. He was camped out on a promise, and God wanted his children to have that promise. I'm afraid that we allow the enemy of our souls to camp out on our promises. And we find ourselves groveling at the table when we should be seated at the table. This is why I don't come asking for crumbs. I want it all. Thank you, Elvis. I want it all. I don't want a crumb of revival. I don't want a measure of healing. I want complete and total healing. I don't want a measure of deliverance. I want complete and total deliverance. I don't want a measure of this city. I want it all. I want Mississauga to be known as a city of great joy in the kingdom of God. Not only for Mississauga, but the greater Toronto Hamilton area. I want it all. I'm not graveling for a little bit. Give me what's mine. I want my inheritance we've allowed the enemy to camp out on our promises so what allows that what causes that let me give you a few things that you're going to think about we forget to pray we have not because we ask not anyone who does not have a regular prayer life hear me is living beneath the table there is so much more that God wants to do through you and for you than you could ever imagine. And he does it in an exceeding abundantly fashion. You need to, let, and let me just tell you too, you know what? When you fail to worship God with joy, praise God, you're living beneath the table. Let me help you out right now. We fall beneath the table when we give the enemy access to our lives. When you allow him too much room, can I just make it plain? When we, when we don't draw the line, we let him run rampant. He's messing with your blessing, and you know why? Because you've permitted him to do so. Jesus said of Satan, he has nothing in me. We cannot allow the enemy footholds and strongholds. Tear them down. Let the mind and spirit of Christ fill you. Let me tell you when else we fall beneath the table. We fall beneath the table when we listen to the wrong voice. Your enemy, our enemy, is the accuser of the brethren. Day and night, he makes accusations against us. And occasionally, if we're not careful, we can begin to mouth what he's saying. And we begin to believe it. He reminds us of our past. See, when the enemy reminds you of your past, that old school Carmen song. Y'all like Carmen, who is that? Remind him of his future. Sarah over here. 
80s kid. Y'all don't know nothing about that. You, you, if you don't know anything about Carmen, YouTube him. You know what? But when the devil reminds you of his, your past, remind him of his future. Let him know that you read the back of the book and you know that we win. You know where he's going. You need to summon something up inside of you. Quit allowing the enemy. Who told you it will always be this way? The devil is a liar. I'm telling you, the kingdom of God is here to rewire your mind. We fall beneath the table when we magnify the enemy's resources while minimizing our own. Granted, our enemy might have some power and he might be brilliant. He is a master of disguises. Scripture tells us that. He can even present himself as an angel of light. He has for thousands of years oppressed people. Alone we cannot face him. But who said you were alone? We have God's word. We can say, it is written. We have the blood of the Lamb and our testimony. We are compassed about us with angels. We have the indwelling presence of the Lord. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. We have the name of Jesus. And we have the authority of the one who has all power in heaven and in earth. Praise God. And we fall beneath the table when we ultimately forget our identity. Did you notice that Adonai Bezek acknowledged that all of the 70 men beneath this table were kings? He knew that, but the 70 perhaps had forgotten it. Look at 1 John 3, and I'll begin to land this plane. Beloved, now we, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when we shall appear, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. Every man who has this hope, this is why we have an anchor that our soul is tethered to. And hope says, I might be beneath this table, but I won't always be underneath this table. I'm going to have a seat at this table. See, it was through Judah that Adonai Bezek fell. Through Judah, the Lord of lightning fell. Another son of Judah once said, I saw Satan fall as lightning from heaven. Through Jesus, your restoration comes. This is why we exist, so that ordinary people can experience extraordinary life in Jesus Christ. Through him and only him can you reclaim your place at the table. We should learn to reclaim our place at the table. Praise God. I'm not interested in getting back at the enemy. I'm not interested in getting, uh, I'm not, this is not retaliation. I want to get back what the enemy took from me. I want to see every one of those kings crawl out from beneath that oppression. I want them righted. I want them restored. And Jesus restores. I'm here to declare for those that are under the weight of alcoholism, under the weight of perversion, under the weight of depression, come from up underneath them. There is a God who loves you, who wants to wash you clean, restore you so that you can have a seat at the table and he'll prepare a table before your enemies and it'll be a spread that they can do nothing about because we serve a God who restores. Praise God. Praise God. Why don't we stand? Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Mm. 
The Bible says that the enemy is an oppressor. He's a tyrant who wants you under his feet. And see, the word oppress in the New Testament means to have dominion. Dominion over you. See, God promised us dominion. People don't understand this. I, I say this all the time, but Jesus didn't come to, to, to just save us. He came, he came to restore dominion. Adam and Eve had dominion in the beginning. And God roped himself in flesh so that dominion could be restored. You have to claim this. See, uh, you, through Jesus, you are free. You are loosed. More than that, you're able to free others. This is why, you know, I, I, I do this. When I, when I run, it hadn't been like 30 days. When I'm running, when I'm exercising, when I'm walking, even when I'm driving, I'll drive through. I was driving on the highway on the 403. And you know what? I just declared it. I said, not only will this city be a great city of joy, but depression has no authority here. I come against the spirit of homicide. And this, I was like, why? Because I have authority in the spirit. You can look at me like I'm crazy, but I'm telling you, you can walk into your house and declare in that atmosphere the confusion and the chaos and the things that are running amok are going to stop because you're coming from up underneath that table. You're no longer living beneath the table, but you're going to have a seat at the table and the king's mercy and the king's grace is going to be there. So let me just tell you really quickly how you come from up out of this table. And living beneath it. Here's two clues. Judah and Simeon. These were the two who conquered Adonai Bezek, the oppressor. Simeon was the second son of the unloved Leah. If you all don't remember Leah, I can tell you about her. Her first son's name was Reuben, meaning God has seen me. Her second son, Simeon, meaning God has heard me. See, if you're calling out to him, he's listening. God really does hear your sighs and your cries. From the time of Seth, men begin to call on the name of the Lord, call on the Lord. He, he, he bids people to come. He, come, call on me, and I will answer. I wish I had time to contrast the two, uh, these two men here, but Judah, I'm just going to focus on this for a moment and help you come up from out of this. Judah means praise. And I want you to understand, Judah, you want to come up from up underneath that table, you have got to learn to praise ye the Lord. Look at the 120th Psalm in verse 1. In my distress, and notice it's a song of ascents. In my distress, that's the heading, a song of ascents. In my distress, I cried to the Lord and he heard me. Now, Watch this, the 113th Psalm, verse 5. Who is like the Lord our God? The one who sits enthroned on high. Who stoops down to look on the heavens and the earth? He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. He seats with them princes. He seats them with princes, with the princes of their people. He settles the barren woman in her home as a happy mother of children. Praise the Lord. 
Yes, I will praise the Lord because in praise we are lifted to a place in God. We are lifted to a place in his presence. What am I trying to tell you? One of the things that will get you up from underneath the table and living beneath your means is to give God praise. I, for some reason, maybe it's because you're playing slow music and that's fine. Play slow. I thought when I was going to preach this, people were going to actually begin to give God praise. I thought somebody was going to open up their mouth and begin to magnify them, magnify him because they were tired of living beneath their means and they understood who they were and more importantly, they knew who their God is with somebody giving praise. Come on, you might be away from God, but leave that pig pen. Leave that sin behind. He didn't say you had to be perfect, but give a perfect God a praise. You know what? Oh, God. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, God. Don't you remember what he delivered you from? Don't you remember what he pulled you out of? Oh, my God. If you just begin to give him praise, the atmosphere changes. If you just begin to give him praise, something will shift. If somebody will stop worrying about themselves and push against this thing a little bit, something will break in this atmosphere. And the Spirit of God will rush in and healing will begin to flow. People will begin to receive the Spirit. I'm telling you, if you'll push and begin to give Him praise, if you'll just begin to give Him worship, if you'll just begin to give Him thanks, if you'll just begin to magnify Him, get out of your comfort zone and declare, I'm coming from up underneath, living in this table, I'm going to give Him praise. God, I feel the Holy Ghost. I feel like we're sitting on a powder keg. I feel like we're sitting on a powder keg. Somebody's about to understand. Somebody's about to get it. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Join us next week for another message of hope and life in Jesus. If you like what you just heard, we hope you'll pass along our web address to all of your friends, extraordinarychurch.ca. We are a young church plant with a lot of people living an extraordinary life in Jesus. If you're looking for a way to become better connected to what God is doing, email us, info at extraordinarychurch.ca. We'd love to hear from you.